0: chapter 1, and I'm going to focus in on this morning on verse 20 and 21. I've got a question for you to start off, just a little question for you to think about. Are there any certainties in life? You ever thought about this? Now some would say that the only certainties that we really have are two things, taxes and death. And I'm going to tell you that that's a sad reality, isn't it? Well, what I wanna do this morning is encourage your heart that there are in fact two certainties that come right out of this text that you can absolutely count on in 2024 that the Apostle Paul himself counted on as he faced all kinds of uncertainties in his future that were grounded in the finished work of the cross. Let me reread verse 20 and 21, Philippians 1. Listen to Paul's confidence. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now here, Paul, tells us two certainties that he's counting on. The first is the certainty of God's promise, that's verse 20. The second is the certainty of God's plan, that's verse 21. Now it's very possible that there were some in the Philippian church who were wondering whether or not with Paul's imprisonment, the gospel was going to grow cold. There may have been some who wondered if the voice of Christianity, which at this point really was Paul, was going to be silenced by the Roman government. And there were some who may have thought, well, this is the end. Our fearless leader is in in prison and uh, could be put to death. We're next. And it's only a matter of time before the entirety of the gospel message is going to be closed. And some may have thought that. And so Paul writes to encourage the church, keep going, the gospel in fact is advancing. The gospel has not been chained by man, but rather God is at work within me and he's at work within the Roman guard and he's at work in fact in the whole city of Philippian, Philippi and in the church itself. And so Paul tells the church that Two things that he has an expectancy of God's fulfillment of his promise to him. And he's waiting for this expectancy. And he says, he tells us what this expectancy is in verse 19. And it's his deliverance. Paul is absolutely certain in his mind that God will deliver me. Now the word here could be interchanged for the word salvation. And Paul is absolutely certain God will save me. God is going to deliver me, whether he he does so physically and takes me out of prison, or he does so by translating me into eternity to be with Christ. Either way, I know for an absolute certainty that the work of the gospel in my life will end in my deliverance. You know, that's true of you. That's true of you and I. If God were to so choose to call us home tonight, If we are in Christ Jesus, we have that absolute certainty because of Christ in John 14 that in my Father's house are many rooms. And I go there to prepare a place for you and I will come back and take you to be where I am. Jesus promises this. So Paul is certain. He's certain that God will fulfill his word to him. So much so that he tells The church, in verse 20, that he eagerly, eagerly expects. Now, this is kind of a really neat word in the original language. What it means literally is, Paul, uh, I want you to picture a runner. You've seen this, I'm sure, uh, during the Olympics or uh, the Pan Am Games or Commonwealth Games. That when a runner finally reaches the, the, uh, the finish line, what they always do is they stretch their neck out. Have you seen that? They stretch to to cross over the line first, to beat their opponent. What Paul's telling you is that as he is in prison, he is stretching his neck out in anticipation of finishing over 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 the finish line. God's grace will carry him with absolute certainty. And so whether God takes him or God leaves him, it's a win. It's a win either way for them, and it's a win for the church. And he says to the church here in in verse 20 i will first of all i won't be put to shame god assures this he promises that i will not see shame because i am found in christ now the whole government caesar the whole government caesar's government was seeking to shame paul in fact there were critics critics that were trying to shame paul but he says oh i won't be shamed i'll never know the shame because i am found in the living christ but he also tells him here, not only will I not be shamed, but Christ will be exalted in my body. He is absolutely certain of the promise that Jesus Christ, whether he lives or dies, will be exalted. Now the word here, exalted, means to be made much of. To be seen as great. And the whole idea there is that, is that while our world sees Jesus as nothing, we see Jesus as everything. And we want Christ to be seen as the one who is great and worthy of all of all praise. And so Paul knows that whether I live or I die, Jesus will be seen for who He truly is. His worth will be displayed. His greatness will be seen through me to others, because God has promised it to be so. You see, the the son, or the uh, you see Paul is absolutely certain in every way that in spite of the, the physical suffering he is in and the false accusations that are swirling around, they will be silenced and the Son through him will be exalted. He's certain that God will fulfill his promise of Romans 8:28, All things work for good. He believes that that will be the case in spite of the fact that he's currently chained to a Roman soldier in a, in a dark and dingy prison cell. He is certain from Romans chapter 8, 37 to 39, that God's love uh, is his portion forever. And nothing, nothing can separate him from the love that is found in Christ Jesus. And so when Paul thought of his situation, it actually brought him great joy, not despair. And I wonder this morning, do you realize that God's intention for you and I, whether it is in the good times or the bad times, is that Christ would be exalted in us. That we would recognize that that whatever it is that God chooses to do in 2024, it is for the advance of the gospel through us. And so if God so chooses to hand you a lemon, make lemonade for the glory of God. Exalt the Son in it. And through it, I remember years ago when a, a professor I had in seminary, Dr. Adams, was actually dying of cancer, and I got wind of the fact that he had said repeatedly that he wanted to die well. And I remember wondering, what on earth is that? To die well? Who dies well? Well, it, the point of it was this: that just as Christ had been exalted in Dr. Adams' life. He wanted Christ to be exalted in his his death. He wanted Christ to be made much of, not only in the way he died, but in his attitude towards death. He wanted people to see that, that Jesus was worth it all, even in death. And so my question to you this morning really is, in your life, do you exalt the living Christ in the good times and the bad? Do you realize that God will never put you to shame if you were found in the living Jesus? Never. And so Christ is certain of this promise that Jesus will fulfill his promise to him of deliverance and, and exaltation. And Paul gives to us here in the text several examples of how God had been keeping this promise already to Paul through his sufferings and crisis. If you go to verse 12 he reminds us that the gospel in fact had been advancing and it had been advancing to the point where the gospel had now been spoken throughout the entirety of the palace there wasn't a single guard or individual in the in in caesar's palace that had not heard the gospel now through paul he goes on to tell the church to encourage them not only that he says but I may be in chains, but I'm in chains for Christ. And the end result of that is Christ is being preached. And not only is he being preached, but he says in in verse 14, but the church itself is fearlessly and courageously speaking the word of God. And so God had been keeping his his promise of deliverance. The gospel was advancing through Paul in the midst of the crisis that he found himself in as he says in verse 18 christ is preached and because of this i rejoice you know i thought boy may that be the desire of our hearts and testimony in 2024 that people would look back you would look back on it and you would say christ is preached and i rejoice well that was paul's desire That's what drove him, and God kept his promise, and Paul saw it. I mean, remember the Bible says that if we lift Jesus up, God will draw all men to him. And so let's lift Jesus high in 2024 in the bad times and in the good times and watch God work in ways that we never imagined. So there's the first certainty certainty of God's promise that he will fulfill the gospel in and through us for the exaltation of Jesus but there's a second thing here notice the certainty of God's plan verse 21 you all know this verse Paul says for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain now really verse 21 expresses the the dilemma that Paul was in Here's frankly the tension that every follower of Jesus experiences. To remain here and serve Christ or to be taken out of here and to be with Christ. That's the tension we all feel. And maybe even more so after 2023 has ended. Well, do you believe this? Fill in the blanks for me. In fact, if I were to ask your family to fill in this blank about you, what would they say? For me, to live is blank. To die is blank. How would you fill that in? What did your life reflect in 2023? How would it fill in those blanks? Well, Paul, what drove him, what got him up in the morning, what kept him going was the privilege and the joy he had within of living for Christ with the certainty that if he were to be taken, it would be to his gain. Paul allowed this text, frankly, to dictate the way he faced his own death and lived his own life. And it's interesting, really, when you read verses 22 to 26, you realize very quickly that Paul's intention in this wasn't himself. He wasn't living with a self focused. He wasn't concerned about his own comforts and his own well-being, but rather, you'll notice if you read verse 22 to 26 that his concern was others. He wanted others as a result of his walk in Christ to be, uh, for others to be influenced and affected by the Lord Jesus. He wanted his life to bear fruit for the glory of God. You know, that is a critical part of what it means to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's been our one of our themes here at West Highland, isn't it? That you and I are to help, to, to seek, to help one another follow Jesus in order to know him. To be on mission with Jesus on a daily basis. This is Paul's revelation. Paul's daily resolution. Yeah, he longed for heaven. In fact, he says here in the text, it is far better. If you read the original, it reads, it is far, far better. And that's really how Paul felt. To go home, oh man, sign me up. However, he realizes that God has a greater plan than his. And if that plan is to re- is for him to live and to remain with the church, then his intention is to help the church advance the gospel. That's what he lived for. In fact, this word, to live. Now, I don't know about you, but if you want to see Ken live, don't park in front of him a plate of lima beans. That'll sadden me greatly. My countenance will go down. But if you want to see Can come alive, then park in front of him a lovely chocolate cake, and there'll be this giant smile. You see, for Paul, life was Jesus. Living was Jesus. Jesus was everything for Paul. He got up for Jesus. He ate his breakfast for Jesus. He went out his front door for Jesus. He shared Jesus through every action and attitude he had. It was Christ who was his life. Christ was his priority and he knew that whether he lived or died it was going to be pure gain either way it was a win-win for Paul and so what did Paul do well he frankly rested daily in God's plan either to use him or to take him home he just rested in that either way God when I get up it's about Jesus if I die it's about Jesus because he knew that the uncertainties that he faced that were ahead of him were in God's sovereign hands. So why worry about it? Rather, his focus was to be Christ for the sake of the church. And so Paul lived daily in the context of the certainty of God's promise. Christ would be exalted. Christ will be exalted through me. In God's plan, I will live for Christ or I will die In Christ, in either way, it'll be gained for the sake of the gospel. I love as one dear saint prayed, listen to this prayer. Sovereign God, your cause, not my own, engages my heart. And I appeal to you with greatest freedom to set up your kingdom in every place where Satan reigns. Glorify yourself, and I shall rejoice. For to bring honor to your name is my sole desire, Lord. Use me as you will, do with me what you will, but all promote your cause. Let your kingdom come. Let your blessed interests be advanced in this world. Let me, by, let me be willing to die to that end. And while I live, let me labor for you to the utmost of my strength. In 2024, may it be our greatest joy in our greatest freedom to serve the great cause of the glory of Christ. And may we be characterized by Paul's resolution for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. That really is the message of this table. This table reminds us that we can declare that and we can live that out because Christ gave himself for us and Christ now lives in eternity for us and so let's take a couple of moments and just just quiet our hearts before the throne of god to make sure there's nothing between us and the lord that would inhibit our fellowship with him in this table let's talk to the lord silently and thank him for the perfect gift jesus was that he lived a perfect life on our behalf and died a perfect death for us so that we might know the fullness of forgiveness and the freedom to live for kingdom purposes. And so let's take a few moments. You go to the throne room and then I'll lead you in prayer as we give thanks for the cup. Father, it always amazes me that when I read in scripture that you willingly crushed your son for me. Father, when I look at the extent of my heart and his darkness, I'm amazed, Father, that the son would be willing to sacrifice himself, in order that I might know life and light in Christ. And so this morning, Lord, as we come to this table, it's a reminder to us that Christ is is our life, our sustenance, and that, Father, This table calls us to be a people who would live for Christ, recognizing that to die is gain. May we live that way before a watching world that has no idea of the danger their souls are in. May we live in such a manner that people would ask us of the reason for the hope that we have within as we face our own death. May they look at our lives and realize, Father, that, that our priority is Jesus in everything we do. And may that cause them to wonder why. And it's all because of the cross. That's the difference maker. And so thank you for the, the life for Christ, the body of Christ. He was broken for us in every way. He was shamed and spit on and beaten and pierced all for our redemption he gave himself fully dying in our place and for this our hearts give thanks and i pray this in jesus name amen and so let me close with a benediction from uh, second corinth end of second corinthians may the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us now and forevermore amen